Hey, this Roman the Mist podcast is brought to you proudly by the Nurses Guild. Hi, this is Eddie Deason. You're listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall. I was Mandark in Dexter's Laboratory. Ha 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 ha. Hey, what's up, guys? Christopher Solly back for another Breaking the Fourth Wall, and I'm excited to sit down and discuss this, uh, discuss some things with this l- young lady here. She is an actress. She is an, uh, a writer. She is a lot of different things. She's, she's got a bunch of hats on her hat rack. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Shannon Wilson. Shannon, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm all right. Uh, the, big thing, the big thing that I took from here is you are originally from uh, Houston, Texas. Yes. Uh, you come from a family that not only was a, your father was a Vietnam vet uh, that I took from this, but also they're both retired school teachers. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that leads me to the first question. What made you go into entertainment instead of maybe following suit? <laughs> and all my aunts and everybody are teachers, too. Um, I think... I don't think I would have had the patience to be a teacher. I don't know. <laughs> it takes a special person <laughs> to be in a classroom with kids all day long. Um, my uncle's a musician. He played with Eric Burton in The Animals. Okay. And uh, has been a musician for a really, really long time. So we have a little bit of entertainment in, in our family, a little bit. But um, I think I'm the, only, I'm the only actor. And I think I... I guess I've always been a ham, but I never, I just got into acting not too, I guess about five years ago, I started seeing if I could audition and see if I could get some parts and it's, it's, it's been fun. Well, that, that, that's the interesting thing because you did go to college in, uh, mm-hmm. in Austin, Texas. Uh, um, Nacogdoches, Texas. Or Na- Nacogdoches, it was Austin State University. Yep. See, I, that's what I get. You wouldn't know that. Who wouldn't know that? Yeah, that's what I get for trying to read with glasses. But you had actually majored in radio slash TV communications and political sciences. Okay, I'm an idiot when it comes. I, I, you know, I'm a trade school guy. But uh, you're not an idiot. <laughs> you guys are the smartest guys, really. But uh, TV radio sounds to me like you were more interested in broadcasting as opposed to 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 acting in 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 that format of entertainment. And of course, knowing that after after college, you had spent an awful lot of time doing nine to five style work. It's actually amazing that you decided to go into acting. Why did you wait so long? I I never had I never had the the, the desire to be famous or to pursue to be a big actor or to get into that. That never seemed to interest me. Um, so I never really, I think if I had started younger, maybe I would have, I, I don't know, I'm pretty ambitious, so who knows what would have happened. But um, I, I always kind of take it day by day. Right. And when I got out of college, and I was a DJ in college radio, I loved that. Um, so I kind of had that background with talking to people. And when I moved to Denver, I just you know bartended and waited tables. It was just so fun. And there's a lot of work there for uh, modeling because there's no competition around Denver. They don't have any big right. cities. So lots of runway, a lot of designers would come in and, and have their shows. 
and I did industrials where you do like pharmaceutical commercials and safety for hotels. So I always kind of like was dabbled in entertainment a little bit, but it was never to pursue anything beyond just local stuff. What part of Denver were you in? Uh, I, I spent 10 years out there. In fact, my mother lives in Colorado Springs. Oh, okay. Um, I was living in Wheat Ridge, actually, just outside. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's and, nice. I was near Capitol Hill. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So you, you obviously had an interest in, in modeling. Um, so I guess, I guess that's where the, the, the start was, uh, was kind of the bug to, to start into entertainment, or was it the radio broadcasting in the uh, – in, I mean, I always watch movies. I'm fascinated with films and movies and just can, I just love it. And I love just watching actors. So, I mean, it's not that, I mean, when I was little, I used to make myself, you know, see what I would do if I could make myself cry. I would practice like thank you speeches as a kid. It just seemed <laughs> a lot of work though to pursue that. And then it seemed also really annoying to, ha to have people know who you are all the time. I think that would be really I mean, I, I don't think I would, I, I wouldn't really necessarily, you know, you kind of, you, you lose a lot of privacy that way, but for modeling, um, yeah, that was always fun. You're in front of people. I'm actually kind of a shy person. So, uh, you know, I don't even know how, I think I just thought I'll try it and see if I can do it. And, um, you know, it's just like another little, little venture in my life to see if I could do it and I'm doing it. So that's kind of cool. Uh, so yeah, that's why I got into podcasting. So that way nobody knows who I am. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's better that way. <laughs> you stay out of trouble. That's it. Uh, so through this venture, you were doing the modeling and you, you had a little stint in, in, uh, in radio broadcasting. Uh, then you got married and, and moved out east, uh, New Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. Um, when, yeah, did, but... when did the bug hit to finally turn around and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to pull the trigger and, and see about getting into some acting roles? I think when in Denver, I had a long distance relationship. I lived in LA for a couple of years. So again, just a lot of runway and stuff like that. But um, when I moved to the East Coast, I, I started a company. It's, it's, it was called Focus Talent and Promotions. And I ran it for about 14 years and we staffed marketing events throughout the whole country. And I had employees and it was so busy. And I did that for a long time and had kids. And I decided I don't want to staff events anymore because it was stressful. So about five and a half years ago, I told my husband, I said, I think I want to venture into New York. I'm outside of Philadelphia, so it's not far. Right. And I had an agency and I had a manager here in Philadelphia just doing QVC and just local, local stuff, prep work. I said, let me just see if I can audition. I think I could do it. I think that it would be interesting to take classes. I'm in the best city to take acting classes in is in New York City. And he was so supportive. And um, so I just started going up there and my manager believed in me. I did some NYU films. I mean, I highly, anybody that wants to get into this, it doesn't matter what age you are. I was starting at old too. I mean, I was 40 and oh, yeah, I, old. I, that's old for the industry. <laughs> I thought I was like, there's no way. Um, but I think if you put your mind to anything, you can make it happen. And the New York casting directors were so nice. I would, I would get called in for TV stuff with no lines. And then they would just be like one word and then they'd be maybe two words. And I didn't book, I have auditioned for so many shows. I can't even tell you and not booked them, but those same casting directors will, would call me back in. Okay. Um, so that you just need people, you know, right. You just need a couple of people to believe in you. Just some people that see something in you and, and so, it's amazing how far that can go. So you went to, you, you went for, for just, you know, uh, 
illustration purposes, uh, hypothetically speaking, you went in to like read for a, 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 a role in like Friends, and you didn't get the part for Friends, but the casting the casting people would remember you for hey, this is coming up. This would be perfect for. Her. Let's give her a call. Yeah. So they they would uh, the blacklist. I think I've auditioned for that twelve times. And the casting, I mean, I've never booked it. I've had callbacks. You get pinned for, I was pinned for so many shows or yeah, the casting directors, you, you walk out of there and you think, I hope they call me back in. And these are big New York casting directors. I mean, they do all of the shows. Ross Meyerson was my first audition for the Michael J. Fox show, which was what, five, six years ago. Right. He was the first person to call me in. And it was just a few lines, huge office. I was so nervous. I used to get so nervous before auditions. And, um, and yeah, I wouldn't book them, but they would call you back in for something else. And you never know, when I booked Snow Babies, the movie that I'm promoting now, it was a casting director in Philly, Diane Erie. She recommended me. Oh, nice. And so you just, you know, you just never burn a bridge. You never know who you're going to meet. And, you know, there were auditions where I completely forgot all my lines. I have done that. Not <laughs> one line could I remember. It was for a reporter for The Blacklist. Not I couldn't remember one word, and I had to walk out of that room. So I had to look at the camera, do the audition, and I said, "I can't do it. I don't. I mean, I have it memorized, but it's just not happening." And I didn't think they would ever call me back, and they did. <laughs> That's probably my worst fear. Um, oh. For over for over twenty years, I was an independent professional wrestler. Oh, now, really? I, I can remember moves in the match and what's supposed to win you know how to start the match how we're going to finish the match how many minutes it's supposed to be in the match but when we did the the mic work the promo as we called it i was completely ad lib at all times my biggest uh -huh. fear was ever somebody handing me a script and saying remember that <laughs> i don't think your, I could. your head <laughs> i don't think i could so you were a professional wrestler yes ma'am oh my gosh i that's that's so cool we should talk about that no, 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 no. We're interviewing you. <laughs> I just brought that up. I just brought that up as a, as a talking point to the fact that I used to ad lib all my promos. I never had a script. So I was always fearful of one day somebody would hand me a script in some way. And it's like, oh God, how am I supposed to memorize this? I've always had respect for people that be able to like, like, uh, you know, for sake of argument, like Mark Hamill learning all these lines for Star Wars. I'd be like, I, I'm lucky if I remember page one. Oh my God. What about people that do plays? I mean, I've yeah. never done, I've never done theater. I think that would be terrifying. I mean, could you imagine just going and having to remember and not go blank? You know, you know, it's funny because I'm kind of on the fence with that, with the way you said that. Cause again, being, being a, a, a live, live performer as a pro wrestler is, I always call them uh, best way I can describe it is uh, we're, we're uh, live action stuntmen, you know? Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> so we throw, we throw it thrived. I, yeah, words. See, I told you I could I could do acting. Um, I thrived on on crowd interaction and crowd reaction. Yes, I think it would be weirder lines notwithstanding. You know, remembering the script notwithstanding, I think it would be weirder to do it on a movie set where nobody cares mm. what the hell I'm doing than it would be on a stage, and and seeing the instant reaction from from the people that are that are there. Yeah. Personally, I, I don't know. But then again, I've never been in either one. So who knows? <laughs> I think hearing uh, laughter, I've done improv and on a stage and you do hear that laughter. It is, you're like, okay, I'm doing something right. You're right. When you're acting by yourself and it's just people staring at you, you're like, am I, do am I horrible? Was that good? You can't, 
you don't want to ask really because you just don't want to be that annoying person that seems insecure but you're right you don't get you know if you do something and you think it's funny and improv or wrestling or whatever it is and no one laughs you know you, you bombed that second mm -hmm. you immediately know but you don't know you're yeah you don't know unless somebody tells you and i've had plenty of bombs trust me <laughs> <laughs> my brett my son's 13 the other day he said um he goes you know mom i wish wrestling was real because he was we were watching it on tv like the thursday night wrestling because i grew up with hulk hogan Right. And the main event, which we just watched every Saturday night, me and my brother. And so now it's a little different. The wrestling now is so different than it was back with Hulk Hogan in that whole era. And um, it, 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 it's, it's gone through so many iterations. I call the Hogan era like the, uh, uh, the superhero era. That's where, where, that's where wrestlers really were larger than life. They were. And, and then uh, it, it changed over to the more realistic attitude era. Uh, in the 90s where <clears throat> that's where things became more risque and the moves became more I don't want to say realistic looking but like more deliberate mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> blood was more involved weapons yeah. were more involved and then they scaled it back now into what they call the P PG generation uh, which almost seems like they want to keep the attitude era but make it family friendly like the superhero era and yeah like, it doesn't really work it's working yeah I don't think it's working either. And that's when Brett goes, I wish it was, I wish wrestling was real. <laughs> because you really believed it was real back during that Hulk Hogan era. That, I mean, you really were involved and you were really involved with the characters. You cared about the ones, you hated the ones that were mean and you really cared about the ones that you loved, right? Yeah, I was one of the bad guys. You were one of the bad guys, so what was your, what was your name? I was the East Coast kid, Matt Wild. Oh, that sounds really familiar. I've wrestled from New York to Florida and from New Jersey to Colorado. Wow, um, what a career. I, uh, I spent eight years out at Rocky Mountain Championship Wrestling in Colorado. I finished actually in Pensacola, New Jersey. I retired with uh, DWF Loco. Oh, in Pensacola. That's near me. I'm in Haddonfield, New Jersey. Okay. That's what I would recommend for your son. Um, again, we're getting off topic. We're supposed to be talking about your son. <laughs> That's okay. But I would recommend for your son, if he wants to see real wrestling, you know, real wrestling, Take him to an independent show. Trip okay. WA works out of Quakertown, uh, the Quakertown Farmers Market. You know, there's there's a there's a whole bunch of you could just look them up. Local feds. The tickets are cheap. They're like ten, fifteen dollars. The the wrestlers interact with the fans. You know, autographs, pictures, stuff like that. And I mean, you just get a solid show. Just the only thing you don't get is all the uh, glitz and glamour that you would get on something on TV. It's just go to the ring, do the business, and done get entertained yeah you're just entertained <laughs> that's no. good to know thank you i would recommend that i think you'd get a kick out of it I but uh getting 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 back to you and your career because <laughs> this is about you not about me um i want to go back i want to take a step back a little bit with this uh with this agency that you ran this yeah. this marketing agency could you mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more about it because i i i i read that in your imdb and i i meant to, to, to discuss with it because i was like was she finding uh, roles for other actors like what what exactly was it that you uh, that your company did so when i lived in la to make extra money i would i would i started working promotions it's this everybody knew about it actors knew about promotional or, or just anybody in la and you would pass out you know you see them at festivals you see them at music festivals and they're passing out samples mm -hmm. sampling and okay. they're called brand ambassadors and i had never heard of that before and it's this whole way to make extra money 
And one of the guys, my one of my old managers, I think we were running, it's like Lever 2000 antibacterial hand wipes when they first came out. I remember Lever 2000. Yeah, and I was on their tour and that means you just go into different places and pockets in LA and you set up a big tent and you pass out samples. And my manager that I always worked with was Oscar and he was Oscar from The Office. Did you ever okay. watch The Office? He, uh, so he, he would go on all these auditions back when I was there and um, he ended up getting a great part on The Office and he and I used to always work promotions together. In fact, I owe him 20 bucks because he loaned me $20. He doesn't need it now, I don't think. I, I um, so <laughs> so when I learned about, when I, I've always wanted to start my own business and I just love business. I love to read business magazines and I just think that's really, really interesting. And I thought, you know, I could staff these events because these staffing companies would call me and have me staff it for free because they could trust me and they knew I'd have my friends. Right. So you served your country with honor and now are trying to pry health care from the Veterans Administration. Did you know that Congress recently made changes to allow vets to get care outside of the VA services? The Nurses Guild of Florida is owned and operated by a Vietnam-era vet who knows how difficult it is to return to civilian life. Why not get your home health services from a five-star Medicare home health agency, the experts at home care, the Nurses Guild. Rather than wait in lines for care, the Nurses Guild will provide care to you in the comfort of your own home. PTSD, IV therapy, wound care, or post-amputation therapy, no matter your diagnosis, we can help. A nurse will be assigned to you, visit you at home to assess your needs, and work directly with you to develop a personalized plan of care. Here at the Nurses Guild, we have nurses from every specialty. So no matter your diagnosis, we have the right caregiver for you. The nurses, therapists, and home health team of the Nurses Guild is ready to serve you. All of our essential health care workers are fully screened, supervised, and COVID tested. Call the Nurses Guild today to arrange your home health visit at 954-596-9806 for Broward County and 561-826-8937 for Palm Beach County. Remember, healthcare put off is healthcare too late. Stay safe during the pandemic. Wear a mask and insist those around you wear a mask. Wash your hands frequently and stay home as much as possible. I moved to, when I moved to New Jersey, um, I took our home line. We had no money, so we just bought a house. And I took the home line and turned it into a fax machine and, started focused on and promotions basically out of my house and convinced a New York company, a huge New York company to give me a meeting. And I went into that meeting. I flew my sister in from university of Texas. She was in college. I'm like, you have to act like you're my assistant. Right. I got to go in this meeting and totally act my way out of this. I convinced them that focus was this big company and they gave me their account. And that's how it all started. Then I started staffing events and I had, five to six employees at one point. Wow. It's pretty cool. Made, made pretty decent money that way. I, I don't need to know. Yeah, no, we did. I had the, I did all the Verizon accounts for companies out of Chicago. Um, but it was a lot of stress because I had to make sure that people were where they were supposed to be. So we, I mean, when I say staff, I was staffing hundreds of events over weekends where, and, and just hundreds of people making sure they were there, you know, their said time at the place they were supposed to work. I don't like to be in charge of people and I don't like to micromanage. I was just about to ask when you, when you made the transition over to, to, to going into uh, auditions and, and looking for roles and, and going into the acting, what happened to focus? I, I, about three years ago, I started winding it down. I just, 
I, I kept my clients that I liked that would pay because sometimes you would have to pay your staff and some people wouldn't pay you for 90 days. Right. But you had, so you were always out of kind of po- you were always out of pocket or you were sometimes. So I just kind of just re- I just kept getting smaller and smaller. And I told, I told my husband, who's so supportive. I said, I'm just over this. I can't, I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> so I would staff just a few events. And then when I started acting, I just, Closed doors. Closed it, yeah. But I didn't do any modeling. I didn't do anything um, but focus because you really had to, if you have a business, you have to give it all of your yeah, attention. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, I, believe it or not, even even with uh, podcasting with this, I mean, I run a, a network uh, completely by accident, but it, it does. It, it eats so much time, so much time and, and attention. It, it's hard to do anything else. And, and to be good at something, you have to focus on it. Like, pardon the pun, that was my company's name, but you really have to give all of your attention to that. You can't just right. do it half-ass, right? Exactly. Can I, can I say that word? Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't censor. You can, you can say whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> as long as it's not directed at me. Oh, I would never. You're too sweet. I appreciate that. So now we go into the acting and, and yeah. you have had uh, roles on, on many different things. I mean, just summing through here, I, I've seen that you were on elementary Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that show. I remember Hack, you know. Um, yeah, Hack Atlantic was City fun. Atlantic City Chronicles, The Reservoir. You know, these these are just a couple that I'm reading off of just, you know, thumbing real quick. But we got to get up to the one that you're talking about now, the one you're promoting now, Snow Bunnies. What can babies. you tell me about it? Snow Babies. Or Snow Babies. Why did I say bunny? <laughs> I'm telling you, I need new glasses. <laughs> Uh, snow, <laughs> snow babies. What can you snow, bu- snow bunnies sounds good. Snow, bu- um, snow babies. <laughs> snow babies is um. It's spelled S N O for heroin. So <laughs> I thought at first when I got the audition that it was a Christmas movie or a Happy Little Winter Tale. That would be my first thought. Yeah. Yeah, but it's so not. It's um. It's about I'm the I play the mother of a heroin addict, a 16 year old honor roll heroin addict. Um, I have no idea that she's addicted to heroin. Um, and it, it was an independent film. The writer, Mike Walsh, and, and the director, Bridget Smith, just researched it and spoke to recovering addicts and teen addicts and just to get their stories. And we took a lot of those stories and just make, they, they created this film. It's very intense. So the two things I'm taking away from this, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is number one, you're talking about a, an addict who's a functioning addict. Yes. Uh, well, she's functioning could, for, yeah. The best way I could describe it is like, uh, you know, uh, that guy you see working construction, the guy's a full-blown alcoholic, but yet can hold down a nine-to-five job. Like, they're still able to focus, even though they still have the addiction and all the bad that comes with having an addiction. Uh, the second thing I take away from this is this is not based on a true story, but basically a collaboration of many different stories. Is yeah, exactly. And the she... She doesn't become functional. My daughter falls apart. I mean, she and her best friend are both heroin addicts. They're Catholic school girls. And, um, and I just don't, I've had people call me mad that I didn't know. I've had actual people call and say, I can't believe you didn't know she was addicted to heroin. They get so invested. They take it. They, they, they get so involved. And, you know, I have to say a lot of the parents don't know. We can't, you know, always blame the mother, the busy mom. These kids know how to hide it. And a lot of times they, they become addicted to heroin because they got injuries in sports and they were prescribed medication. Right. Painkillers. Yeah. Pain, 80% of heroin addicts started off on painkillers, on opioids. And 
I mean, just in 2018, 10.3 million people aged, you know, 12 to 25 misused opioids. I mean, it's an epidemic. And I had no idea how bad it was in the suburbs until I started working on snow babies. And now the stories that I hear from people that it's just heartbreaking. And we're just hoping we can help people with that. That was something I, that, that, that kind of segues perfectly to the next question I was going to ask is when you took on the role, how much did you learn uh, from, from being the mother of, of the person with the problem? And even more so, how much did it open your eyes being a parent yourself to, to things that you now watch out for that you never thought to watch out for before with your children? And I asked this as a, not, not as a uh, interview, I asked this one as a father. Yeah, as a for yourself. Um, I, I would come home, there were certain, it, it was hard to shoot. I look really tired in the film and I think that's because there was just really heavy stuff that we had to do. Right. And I would come home and just be exhausted and tell my kids, I mean, I'm a, I think, I, I don't know if I said this earlier, I have a 14 year old daughter and a 13 year old son. Like, don't you ever do drugs? Don't ever, do, don't try anything. And it's just beyond just like trying marijuana or something. This is so, so much more beyond that. I think our generation, you could do something or people would try stuff and, you know, we get trip mushrooms or something and you'd be fine. But this is like a whole different ball game. Right. Um, so just having that conversation with my kids and knowing how they can hide it. That's what's so unbelievable until they start falling off the rails. Right. And you could, in the film, she tries to talk to me and I just, something always interrupted us. And I think we just have to take that time to really pay attention when they do try to talk to us um, and, and just be there for them, for our kids and be aware. That, that's an interesting parallel. Um, your character at being the mother and, and the, the daughter is trying to tell you that she has an issue in some way, shape or form. Uh, you, you said things would interrupt. Was it like uh, uh, for lack of it? And again, I haven't seen the film, so. You will I've got to watch it. I've got to watch it. But, you know, just going off of what you're telling me, was it along the lines of like maybe uh, a single mother trying to hold down a job and like job a call or something like that and it cuts it off? Or was it more along the lines of like uh, uh, inattentive parent, if you will? It was not so much an inattentive parent, but it, I was, a, I'm not a single mom. My husband's great. It's it, my husband's, um, his, his name is, his, his actual name is Ken Arnold. He was a professional baseball player for a long time. Okay. And now he's an actor, super nice guy. I'm kind of the breadwinner. He's not making a lot of money. I'm a realtor. We know how busy real estate agents can be. And so when my daughter, um, Kristen, who's played by Katie Kelly, who's phenomenal in it, she would be like, mom, I have to tell you something. And yeah, the phone would ring and it would be my boss. Okay. Or there was just certain things in the movie where you're like, oh my gosh, just, uh, you know, just different interruptions that just happen. And, and I would try to talk to her. I'd say, you can tell me whatever's going on. You don't, you're not acting like yourself. And she's like, it's okay. I'm fine. As kids tell you. Mm -hmm. Of course. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, it was, a, it, it was, I'm so proud to be a part of it. I hope that it helps people. Um, the, the guy that was the manager, Alan Kovac. So it was an indie film. Alan Kovac produced The Dirt about Motley Crue on Netflix. Yes. And he was a music manager for Motley Crue and so many other bands the last 30-something years. And he saw Snow Babies. Um, it was pitched to him, and Better Noise Films was started, and he bought Snow Babies. And because of him, we've had this distribution. And Nikki Six from Motley Crue has been so supportive of it, too, because he's a recovering addict. Right. Um, and they put together this 
fantastic soundtrack with all of these different musicians um, oh, that, that put the soundtrack together for the film. Now, where, where, where can this film be found or where is it going to release? It was released on the 29th of September and you can see it on Fandango now on Amazon Prime. It's on Apple TV. It was supposed to be in theaters, but because COVID. of COVID, that yeah, right. but you can stream it. And the audience reviews we're getting on Rotten Tomatoes and Amazon have been really good. Now you the cast have, is so good. Now you made me have to re, uh, re, reactivate my Amazon account. <laughs> you unactivated, or is it, you deactivated that? How did you have the... Because I have Hulu and at Netflix and I'm like, I'm paying for too many services. <laughs> I, you know what I do? I get like the free services for three months and then I put it in my calendar to cancel it. I've done that a few times. <laughs> That's it. Now I'm going to bring it back. The last time I had it on, I, I interviewed Sean Kanan for his show that was on there. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> I canceled I got, it after I watched his show. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And then you canceled it, you said? Yeah, I canceled oh. it after I saw his show. Now I got to reactivate it so I can see yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's, that, that is awesome. And, and again, you said it was on Amazon Prime and Fandango and Apple TV. Yep, yep. All right. And what are the plans for the future? Like what, what's beyond Snow Babies? Oh, well, I have... Um, the, the sequel, have, Snow Bunnies? Yes, no bunnies is the secret. <laughs> Something happy. Uh, yeah, I have a, I'm working on, uh, we shot one day of it and then COVID hit, but it's a Netflix series, limited series, Ryan Murphy. I don't know if you're familiar with Ryan Murphy, but he did Ratchet and Glee right. and uh, American Horror Story. So his limited series, Halston, is about the fashion icon uh, designer and Ewan McGregor's playing Halston. Oh, nice. And so I um, will be in that. And I have a husband in the series that I just love, who's iconic, but I can't say his name because it hasn't <laughs> been released, but I'm working with him. And then I have another film coming up. Well, as a, as a, as a Star Wars fan, tell Obi-Wan I say hello, even though he has no idea who I am. <laughs> that was a big name to <laughs> oh, me. Oh yeah, you're a Star Wars fan. And he's so, you and McGregor's so nice. He, he seems it. He's, uh, I've, uh, one of my favorite things I've ever watched to his, besides obviously Star Wars, was the making of episode one. Uh -huh. the behind the scenes and, and him how excited he was to even be playing the role like you know one of my favorite scenes uh, of that was he was doing the, the lightsaber fight with Darth Maul and he gets knocked off the bridge and he falls onto a, a, a blue mat off the set yeah and as soon as they scream cut he's bouncing on the on the uh, on the mat, turns around to the camera. He says, "Yeah, no, I didn't want to do Star Wars at all. Too right." <laughs> like he just seemed like a big kid at Christmas, you know? <laughs> yeah, he was so excited. He he's very sweet. And I mean, when, I mean, didn't I've cried during the Star Wars trailers that are coming out that they came out a few years ago when they show the trailers. I mean, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Oh, absolutely. Right now, I'm chopping at the bit for the end of the month so I can get to Mandalorian season two. Wasn't I that mean, so good? Oh my God. Like anybody who wants to complain about Disney's, uh, Disney's iterations of, of Star Wars since Lucas sold the company has to look at things like Rogue One and Mandalorian. They, they're doing something right. You can, you can argue one about the sequel trilogies, but Mandalorian and Rogue One, there's still plenty of great Star Wars. Oh my gosh, I have goosebumps. I mean, it was just <laughs> so good and so well done and just beautiful really i mean just the shoot the the shots and the actor it was just it's just perfect i thought i thought so too you know and i, I grew up on this i mean i was born I, I was five months old when the first movie ever came out 
So, I mean, I was born to Star Wars. It, it, it kind of shaped everything in my life, really. <laughs> I mean, it really, I mean, you did. I remember my brother's four years younger than me, and he would get his action figures, and he would try to, he would look and be like, okay, because on the back would be all the different, you've seen the old mm -hmm. action figures and all the other ones, and you'd be like, okay, now all I need is this one and this one and this one, and we had all the toys, and we would play with them, and the, what is it, when Luke Skywalker gets st uh, stuck in the trash compactor? Mm -hmm. We had that that toy. It was oh, nice. just, it was just such a in the seventies because I was in the I was a kid in the you know growing up in the seventies. It was just, it was just part of your childhood. Oh, that's awesome. Would you ever do a Star Wars show? Oh my gosh, yes, of course. <laughs> Jedi or or would you would you join the dark side? I had the dark side's pretty fun to play. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I think I would just take. I would even take a no like a nonverbal with a mask thing. I mean, just to be a part of something like that would be. You know, I, I don't have I don't have aspirations to uh, to act because I don't think I can act. But I if I was ever offered anything, it's let me be a background Jedi who dies. Yeah. Or let me be the town drunk in a, in a Western. Just anything <laughs> in a Western, in a town drunk. In the, I guess there's a really good podcast with all of the extras or people that had bit parts and iconic scenes. I haven't seen it yet. Have you heard of that? No, no. Doesn't that sound interesting? So it's people it that are, yeah, that were there in these iconic scenes that just were just standing there, but watching it happen. Mm -hmm. And that, they, they get interviewed. That would be awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Shannon, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here today. Again, again guys, make sure you go check out Snow, uh, Snow Babies mm -hmm. and a sequel, Snow Bunnies. That's when they go on a uh, spring break resort to, uh, to a ski resort. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But uh, let everybody know where they can contact you uh, if they have any further questions that I didn't ask uh, or any more information about upcoming movies and shows. Yeah, they, uh, you can check out my website. It's Shannon with an A, so S-H-A-N-N-A-N, Wilson.com. And um, that just has my information and Instagram if you want to follow me. I'm not big on social media, but it's Shannon Wilson 7. So. And guys, of course, if you enjoyed this episode in any capacity, hit that thumbs up button down there. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other great podcasts of Realm of Miss Entertainment. And if you prefer them in audio-only format, we got you covered. Just check out Realm of Miss Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. And of course, Realm of Miss Entertainment can be found all over the social medias because I have no life. <laughs> and last but not least, of course, guys, Please, please, please show some love and support to our sponsor, the Nurses Guild out of Florida. The uh, information is in the description below. I'm sure I bombarded you in this, ep uh, in this episode with a couple of uh, shouts and a commercial or two. So you already know about it. If you have a loved one who can use at-home nursing, please give the Nurses Guild a call. And again, Shannon, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute blast. And make sure you come back and see me when you're doing that Star Wars show. Oh my gosh, I will certainly do that. It was so nice to meet you. Thank you very much. And yes, yeah, support you. our nurses. Thank you. <laughs> Thank guys, you, Chris. I will, I will catch you guys on the next Breaking the Fourth Wall. <laughs>